Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. which will allow them to work welcome to soho radio my name is george burton and this is for emotion and today i have the wonderful and lovely miss michelle negotello um and we are going to talk a little bit today about life liberty and i think a little bit of the pursuit of happiness and (laughs) but um how are you how's everything been oh i'm i'm good i uh I, and actually, I'm trying to understand what happiness means. <laughs> so, oh. I don't, so I know what I'm pursuing. Well, there was that aspect of it that we're always, yeah. it kind of turns around a lot for a lot of us. Yeah. Um, but I'm good. I'm, I'm very good. So I have to be honest. First time <laughs> I heard you, because uh, I was Please thinking do. about this whole, I was with you for a little while, and I was like, man. So the first time I, I discovered you, and, I, and for me to say this out loud, by design, I hide my age. Literally by design. Why? It's Why? just one of those things that I've always done. People are like, yeah, you're 22. I'm like, yes. And I wow, stay there. really? Yeah, yeah, I've always kind of done that. Are you ageist? Are, do you have issues with age? Uh, I'm not sure. I've been working on that myself. Like, people start calling me grandpa on gigs. And I'm like, eh. And then I get, like, self-conscious oh. about it. But um, Why? Okay, yeah, we'll get back to that. Go ahead. <laughs> I, re- I remember discovering you like I literally remember exactly where I was. Um, it was 1997 and I was checking out Berkeley to go to college. Mm, yeah. And I remember a, a friend of mine um, was like, okay, so we're going to, we're going to check out these classes and then we're going to go to this party. And I went to the party and I remember walking in the party and like, you know, you had like one of the nineties boom boxes, small boom boxes with the CD player in it. Mm-hmm. And I go in, I was just standing there like, you know, so what is this? Like, this is ridiculously killing. And I'm looking around and I'm like, I can't press stop, open the CD player, pull it out to see what it is <laughs> and then put it back in. Cause then I'm going to be the party pooper. So I kind of like walked around this party for a while going, so can somebody tell me what album this is? Can somebody tell me what album and people were just looking at me like I was crazy. Like, look, look, there's other things to do. I was like, no, 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 this is, this is it right here. And, you know, I finally found somebody and they told me, and obviously it was before Shazam was around, so you couldn't <laughs> quietly do yeah. it. I remember it was the, the album Peace Beyond Passion and being like, man, this is amazing. Can you tell me about, I mean, yeah, tell me about the album, but uh, can you tell me about like life uh, in the music scene for you at that point in time? 
um, what was it like? What was going on? Because it's much different than it is now from my perspective. But for you, what, what, what was it like? You know, what was life like and all that good stuff? Oh, well, yeah, 97, very different time. Much larger budgets, a lot more. Um, I'm about to say there's a, a lot more dedication to sonics and sound because mm -hmm. you, you didn't have you couldn't just do it in your laptop. Right. I think it was my second recording. So I had I was coming off of the first recording, which I sort of did in an insular way, like did the programming and then had people guest on it. Mm -hmm. um, but it was sort of a, a all a all me kind of experience more so than the second one where I could um, afford to to have Gene Lake and Federico Gonzalez Pena and uh, Joshua Redman and I just started to it was a time where you could open up your ideas because you had a certain type of budget a certain sort of um, expectation that it would sound a specific way I grew up listening to Quincy Jones records and I really understood that the way the mix hit you also affected the song how the song would hit you and so that's that's where my I believe my mindset at that time and I've had been really into uh Steely Dan as well mm -hmm. uh David Gamson and I so we really wanted to make something that was orchestrated to feel good and be be interesting to the listener as well I, I, that's all in hindsight but those are the major memories that come about i was like i wanted to create something that was had the the sonic feel of a quincy jones record right. like stuff like that and also be interesting rhythmically in terms of r&b like a steely dan record and right. and, and, and and of course other classic uh r&b records i loved from that period Crossed through a lot of different colors. Like already you mentioned, you know, Steely Dan, and already you mentioned uh Quincy. And and all your albums that I've listened to all and through all these years, is there a particular method that you go about doing that? Like as there's like, okay, so this oh. album is gonna be this, is this album gonna be that? This album's gonna be this, this album's gonna pay for everything I need for the next five years or whatever the case the situation is, you <laughs> oh. know how that is. You gotta, you know, so is, it, yeah, is there yeah. a particular method to it? Cause I, everything I've ever seen you do firmly in who you are as an artist. <laughs> All right. Well, the, the first and second recordings are like big, big budget, you know, Warner brothers kind of records, you know, I'm, I'm on this subsidiary of a major label. Mm -hmm. So yes, you get a budget and you, 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 you take out the part you you're, you you trust your accountant, which right. is a, another conversation. Right, right, right. To carve out what you can live on, and then you know you do you go about and use the rest to fulfill your dreams. You know because that's all you're doing. Right. You know when you're when you're young and you you believe in your ideas, and so you so yes, I think um, 
I do have a methodology because I ask myself often, what is a producer? And I think I've, I've worked with all different styles of production. Take mm -hmm. David Gamson, for instance, who produced my first two recordings. Um, he comes, he's the, he's the brainchild of the band Scritti for Liddy. Mm -hmm. You know, when he is a amazing producer, he produced uh, this, Chaka, this Chaka Khan record that I love that no one ever heard. But he did Love You Still. Uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing. But he's the person that sort of showed me, you know, there's these different methodologies. It could be a record where it sounds, like I said, insular, like it's just my programming, and then we'll enhance it in mixing and in post-production. Uh, or he's like, you, let's take the, the song Faggot off of uh, uh, Peace Beyond Passion. Mm -hmm. We were really into string arrangers. So, you know, you, so in your mind, you go like, let's create something kind of like, um, I, I really love the Stevie Wonder record, Hotter Than July, and it has Paul Reiser, the string arranger on it. So in your mind, you go like, let's go find that guy. Right, right. <laughs> and you have a budget for it. So yeah, right. I'm methodical in that way. But in terms of like, when I'm writing, that's all freedom. And then- right. Once I begin the process, I start to just like, how could I make this interesting? Where am I coming from with this? Um, is production the mixer? You know, I worked with Bob Power a lot, who's done The Roots, all the Tribe Called Quest records. So I knew at the end, I'd have this person that could sort of turn it into something sonically I could never get to on my own. That's why I struggle with a lot of modern music, because it's just hard for me to listen to in terms of just how it sounds sonically. So yes, that's right. a big, big thing for me because I have about, I guess, 2000 songs sitting in my little laptop that I've made, but mm. I know they're just little laptop demos, <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> I miss that world of where I could go like, ah, I can add these people and create this thing and do this and build upon it and really take my time. I lived in a, those records are made where there's three to four years between them. I live in a world now where people make recordings every day. <laughs> right. New music is released every day, you know, and there's, so yeah, that's, so I, I do miss that sort of methodical thinking and that time and that preparation. And um, also allowing people to do their job. I'm the bassist and the songwriter and the vocalist. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to have to be the engineer. <laughs> right, too. right. Yeah, that's, a, that's which a is a style of production. Yeah, that is. There are some people that is a style of production, though. No, it's, def yeah. it's definitely is, and and some of them are really killing at it, and some of them are killing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's my, my whole little thing. <laughs> but in, in saying that, okay, we're talking about how fast music comes out because I'm like, I I, I don't move that fast. Yeah, has the quality of your writing changed since then? Since since it's changed over the years? I mean, we're talking. The quality no. I can't answer. That's up to someone else. Right, of but course. But in terms of the modus operandi, but yeah, I mean, I have an iPad, and when I'm on the plane, I, I, I can just instead of reading the newspaper, I sit and I just try to make things. I can do it all the time, so it's it's teaching me that sometimes I have to stop. I think it's it's kind of like a relationship in the phone. Right. I remember you write people letters or you'd have to wait to call them and weeks would go by 
And I think it, it's like now it's just constant, constant, constant. And I think it affects the uh, emotionality of the relationship or the writing. It's like you're just constantly submerged in, in creativity. I wonder at what point, I was like, maybe it just becomes activity. Right, right. It's just an action that you're doing. You're not like, it's like, am I calling you because I really want to hear, to hear your voice and talk to you? No, I'm just calling you because I can. I mean, do, do you practice every day? No. And when you record, the, yeah, actually, this is more my question. When you record, do you edit yourself on Pro Tools? No. Right. I mean, yeah. give thanks. Give thanks. Uh, it's like there's just so many, there's too many options sometimes. And that that's what I think I question as well. So many options. I'm exactly there with that, with you with that, because it's like, I go through this thing where, at least for me personally, where it's, you know, I was just working on somebody's album a couple of weeks ago. Every single step was like, edit this, we could drop this into that, we could drop this into that. And I get to a certain point where I'm like, well, I feel like you're taking out the soul of what it actually is. And it's becoming this thing. Hmm. I was listening to Aretha, Aretha Franklin album the other day, and I was just was like, this is perfect because everything's exactly where it needs to be because it was there at that moment. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Editing is a type of time travel or uh, that interests me. I, I would love to meet the uh, flying Lotus because some people do that well, but yeah, I know it, sometimes it does take away from the life of a track, but that's, what's fascinating. That's what I'm trying to figure out for myself as I embark on recording more how I'm going to approach it because yeah, it's just, there's, like I said, so many options. Right. So here's the thing. Do you have any particular, so, so we're talking about options and we're talking about editors and we're talking about producers and are there any yep. that you have that stand out to you? It's for me, it's like, I produce my own stuff. I'm just like, I'm out there like, all right, I just got to get this done. And I have like, you know, somebody who mixes, this is what I want. And like, he'll go, I think this is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> yeah. he's like and i'm like wait it's a genius idea and he's like nah not not no it's yeah because you smart. trust him right and why do you trust him and why well, do you he trust has, him? His amazing ears and amazing you know amazing but why do you trust him i trust the people i work with okay yeah see i'm i'm starting to question that too because <laughs> everyone just has their own ideas right and so much of sometimes success is based on you bucking up against the norms or sometimes there's a certain feeling you get by knowing this is just what you wanted despite what everyone everyone else said it it wasn't the right way that's how i feel about bitter like and no one at my label liked it but wait, that wait, seems what? to be yeah so 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 that's why i'm like like i just that's why i'm like why do you how do you trust people who do you center yourself around who do you have four go to people do you have four the five go-to people that you trust to be like, listen to this and tell me what you feel. And I'm like, I said, I'm like, but how did they earn that trust? Just because you have aesthetic, similar aesthetic sensibilities. Well, for me, it's like, I work with the same people all the time. Like these are my people. I use the same guys. We talk about things all the time. Like, you know, we talk mm -hmm. about different music. We talk about different styles. We talk about different players. So these are the people that I actually know and trust their judgment based off of what I know about them as people relationships you know, or our, yeah. Yeah, the relationships and it's a big thing for me it's like i know you i trust you what do you think this should sound like or you know I, it's, it's literally that for me 
Um, and I don't move around a lot. I've been like, that's probably why nobody knows who I am ever. <laughs> but, Stop um, <laughs> saying that. You gotta, I'm going I'm to come give you a yeah, no. But, um, Speak not that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I used to say, I literally used the same people all the time. And I'm like, I'm very much like everybody has it. Like one thing about Philadelphia is everybody has their own sound coming out of Philly. It's a very distinctive thing. It's like they can play, they have their own style, although it's, it's 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 everybody has a very strong opinion and don't always work with <laughs> yeah. the system and that's what like for me it's like that's what works for me because therefore you can be like i just don't like this and it's cool yeah you know yep. and it's like i'm not sure how they came to that with bitter because i remember having that album on repeat like i was like this is it i'm gonna stick this in a cd player it's gonna stay there for like five months and it literally did um, yeah, no, because no one knows. It's all subjective. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's exactly. all subjective. It yes. always is. It always is. But I mean... So working against this, okay. So since we're talking about that, so working against the system, or not working that I, that slipped out because that's just, but um, doing something that's different. I mean, like, so you've always been you. I hope so. Well, Whatever, whoever you is, but yeah, I hope so. <laughs> my favorite quote of all times, um, Charles Mingus. He, he had this, that yes. dude, that dude, right? So mm-hmm. Mingus had this one quote. Somebody when I was in high school. I went to the summer camp. I was, I was, I was a classical viola player oh. long before I became a pianist or so at the end of the summer camp, this, the, uh, a friend of mine, she was a dancer, came over and she gave everybody cards. It was really lovely. And like, this is related to your genre. This is related to what you do. You're a dancer. I have a quote for you from a famous artist. So she gave me one from Mingus and I was like 16 at the time. And it said, I may get this slightly wrong, but it said in my music, I'm trying to be the, I'm trying to play the truth of what I am. How can I play the truth of what I am when I'm changing all the time? Yeah. And I remember <laughs> that sticking with me like forever and ever and ever and ever. Just the idea of that quote alone. Can is 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 it something that you can relate to? Oh, definitely. Um it's yeah, I I I luckily I, I have a certain naivete. I'm just not really. I'm not intellectualizing my emotions that often. Mm -hmm. And so the music is where I can live and sort of just be free from time. And when I'm feeling really good, other people's expectations. And also from some idea of myself that I know is just, you know, a safety. (laughs) Right, right. Um, And also this clear understanding that it's like, I'm just a songwriter. I'm just trying to make some songs. And Rich, hopefully on, they could. Yeah, yeah. I heard you play. I played with you on bass. You're not just a songwriter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to be a. Uh, I, yes, I'm very. I, I was very blessed. I used to be a, a fantastic bass player. But uh, like I said, you're, you're different. And that's why I was asking you about aging. I mean, right. I play differently now. I play a lot slower. I probably think slower and move slower. Right. But, but it's not better than or less than i'm really trying to let that go sometimes that's the real burden and burdened 
aspect of being alive is that constantly comparing things and missing them. And so I now I see it more as like, yeah, who 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 am I after COVID? Because that even that's interesting. It's like I had a whole year to just sort of sit and dance around in my mind. <laughs> right. And not and not play. And not play for people. And so lately I've done a couple of things and I realized, whoo, the person I am now, <laughs> come to think of it, relate going getting back to that, is someone who doesn't necessarily enjoy playing in front of people <laughs> find it unnerving and yeah and i also feel yeah and then after watching everything online like everybody was like translating for a while to like just putting everything in these like live ex- chats or stuff i realized perhaps i've also lost that performance aspect it's like that photo of ben webster and coltrane I remember Kim Smith explained it to me because I really had a different, I had a a real emotional thing. I I, I saw it more as Ben Webster just going like, wow, this is an extraordinary human being who's just living and vibrating on a level that's, but Kim explained it to me. It was more like ushering out a certain way of playing, you know, that Ben and, and that Coltrane had, created i'm not here to entertain and perform for you i'm here to create transcendence right right. and so i uh i don't think i can do that (laughs) so i'm having to figure out what it is i like when i go out and play why am i playing now (laughs) yeah but what am i well that's everything right it's like at least that's is that a thing? Okay, so I say is that every <laughs> no? Because now I'm like you open up a whole other thing where I'm like, do I inter- do I do I drop in my own weirdness about the situation? Yeah, um, tell me, tell me, share. Like, all right, so so like so. I mean, much. I, I remember like so. I did a maybe like three online situations um, in this time, but um, I did like three of them, and I remember like it took me like six months to do one. And I had to do one because it was like, they were like, okay, so here's a festival. You can headline it and it's online. And I was like, well, I'm broke. <laughs> I need the money. Um, yep, yep. <laughs> I was looking like, let's do it. And, you know, I remember getting there and, you know, they did a whole introduction thing. And I remember that and I, I was looking at the cameraman and it's like two cameramen behind, you know, big, big station thing. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. I don't understand yeah. the online oh. situation. I, I like at that very moment, I went, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I don't My know how to like, online. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then I did it again and I went, no, I'm not getting better at this. I'm not like my, the way I talk to people or talk to a camera. It's not the way I interact with the musicians on stage. It's not the same. The way my ideas come out, it's not the same. And it's like, at that point, I remember talking to somebody and saying, like, they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, you have to be, you have to stay on it, keep your chops up. And I, and I just literally was like, yeah, I'm not interested in this right now. Yeah. I mean, people are, yeah. Yeah. The energy of people dying. And then more so, like, yeah, just playing for a moving camera was hard. I, yeah, I did a show at um, Brick, Brick Jazz Festival, and I was mm-hmm. the curator. And it's probably the worst show of my life. 
<laughs> I, I hated it. It was because it was like, wow, I'm playing to some plastic plants. Right. And um, you cared more about how it looked than how it sounded. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's the so other they, thing. They didn't even give you some real plants, like something <laughs> living. Like they didn't give you like a couple of something you have to water. Like, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't think flowering they in a day or two or nothing. I, I don't think so. <laughs> but yeah, it was more, yeah. And also that it was visual and not auditory that's right. the other you know i mean i love videos i love cinema i love mm-hmm. the visual medium but sometimes i'm like i just like to listen to music right it's the whole sitting back with some headphones in the chair and yeah. just taking it all in yes that's yeah that's what it yeah. is that's what we all need sometimes at least i do i'm simple like that yeah. Because uh, uh, we're old, I'm just messing with you, George. I'm I know, I know. I, I, I wasn't, <laughs> I'm messing I, I, with you. I was I'm so messing. going to just ignore it and be like, no, she's just trying to put me out there real quick, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Right. So, I mean, so we're talking about, we're talking about this live, this, 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 where, I mean, we're already sliding towards this whole online situation that we were forced, that was forced upon us um, during this, this, this last year. And we've already talked about a little bit about um, the way music is, is put out as in like how it's produced, how fast it comes out, you're dropping, or, or I know I said dropping a single or something every two months to stay in people's visual mental whatever capacity. <laughs> yeah last year in 2020 you were on two albums oh what which ones you were on robert's album and you oh, were on yeah, pa- yeah yeah and you were on pat's album pat Metheny. oh yeah yes and yes. and i have to be honest that was insanely beautiful on a level that i was just like kind of like texting everybody like has anybody checked this out has anybody checked this out has anybody checked this out what is it like working with them i always i was always curious i've known a few people that work with them and i've never asked that question and i've always like oh really oh my yeah, god I've never yeah. asked that. and like i met him at festivals over time but like you know how it is we shuffle oh. and moving and yeah yeah oh no he's uh yeah just wow you know i lyle Mays and pat Matheny. that was my whole high school <laughs> life right you know? right so I am Lyle's a few I, years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. A, like a, I don't know how to explain it. Like, that's like my the foundation meeting him. I met him in, I forget, during uh, Spirit Music Jamia recording. I, I got to meet him on festivals and we just really, I just really enjoyed him as a person. And, um, <laughs> and plus the Joni Mitchell stuff is a, like, you know, like, Pat Metheny is, I know this sounds crazy. I don't, because people don't, never ask me about him or people never ask me about. That's so funny. Uh, Really? Like, like, yeah, like a foundational part of my life. Like, I would literally go with my my friend in high school. We'd go to a graveyard and, you know, enjoy cannabis. Enjoy cannabis. And I would just listen to, we'd just listen to Pat Metheny. Hold, hold, hold it. Wait, wait, we got to stop for <laughs> once. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we got to pause like for like one second. Did you say a graveyard? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. Like a if graveyard? You if you don't want to be bothered, where else would you go? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's no, I mean, no cops. No cops are rolling up through there. So. Be, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody should have told me this like 15 years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, like, I really am a big fan. I'm not mm-hmm. like, 
I know a lot of people are real theoret- theoretical, but about music, I'm, I'm not really. And the reason I like him though, is harmonically. I just feel like, I, I, just the way he constructs chords, him and mm-hmm. Alan Holdsworth, it just speaks right. to me in a way. And I, I seek out that sort of exchange with harmony like they do. But he plays, Pat Metheny plays on The World Has Made Me The Man Of My Dreams. I remember he that. plays on a song called Article Three, and and I persuaded him to like use a wah wah pedal and a SG. You know, like that's the that's how I see him. He's just the most open person. Uh, he'll try anything. He is like a I don't know, just a ray of light to me. So right. when I did this last recording, it was the first time I was put on his turf because we've done stuff and he's, we played live, you know, mm-hmm. me, him and Chris David played, you mm-hmm. know, I think he likes me cause I, I just, I, I want to offer him something that other people probably, you know, when you ask for Pat Metheny, you know, you want this specific virtuosic, you know, heady experience. Right. And some, I just like being with him and having fun. <laughs> well, that's um, like always the plays, best situations though, right? Yeah. Oh my God. And he plays sh- on, a song called Shirk, which I really was, I, you know, I love the Cora and, and I really loved how he constructed the acoustic guitar parts. Like I want to like, so you're making me think I need to call him and just hang out with him some more. So when I did do this, it was hard. He had me come to the studio. He actually gave me the track, mm-hmm. uh, which was just guitar. And he wanted words. He wanted, he wanted me to write the words and something that spoke to what was going on the mm-hmm. last four years of, of our leadership position in America. Right. And so luckily my partner who's a brilliant, brilliant writer. We got together and, you know, came, came up with the words and the melody, but that's just it. I made this whole other melody different counter to what he had on the guitar with some similarities. Um, and he was like, no, I want you to sing exactly what I play on the guitar. <laughs> and so I was like, yep, here we go. Right, <laughs> so, right, right, right. You know, but that to me, that was the challenge. Did I buck up against it? Yes, because being a musician and a singer, I, sometimes it's hard for me to explain to people, like sometimes that word does, doesn't feel good in your mouth to sing. So you, right. you, you make adjustments or sometimes you're like, that melody's great. Right. But I'm going to do this so that you can hear the word, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it depends. There's there's these exchanges going on. Right. Um, you may not like Bob Dylan, but his words are so good that he can sing like that. Bob so, is bad. bad. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because like some people. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's there's these dances that are going on when you're a singer and uh, and a songwriter and a musician. So. Like I said, I bucked against it, but it was the most amazing three days of my life. You know, it right, was hard right. and I and it pushed me and it it challenged my singing because I um, this is a world where there's no auto tune, you know, because uh, that's the other thing. I made records when there was no auto tune, the first two and three like bitters, you know, and then mm-hmm. I moved into the world where it was like, I oh, that feels really good how I s- sang it. Can you do this? You know, so, right. but going back in the Pat world, I was like, ah, I can do this. I have to be able to sing this and make it feel right. And, and so, yeah, it took my time. It, it's definitely a three-day vocal. Yeah. 
you've been amazing at writing lyrics in a way that people don't, or at least I think a lot of people, a lot of writers just don't naturally have. They don't have a vocabulary or their imagination. Is there a, a is there a way? Is do you have a method to your writing oh. as far as lyrics? No, that's just you. Just got to sit there and and do it. There's no there's no magic to not, any of this. The the few times I've gone to Berkeley to give any sort of uh, educational experience, the first thing I tell them is I I auditioned and I didn't get in here, but now mm. I'm here. Right. And then the second thing I tell them is to be good at anything, you just got to really like to be alone and sit with yourself. Yeah. And yeah. also you have to be able to self-edit. You got to Sometimes you got to be like, wow, that lyric, that's not for everybody. Right. <laughs> and, right. Or sometimes you have to go like, wow, that like I'm trying to get better at it. Um, like some people are so poetic and they have such turn of phrase. I think in my early recordings, I think my lyrics connect just because they're emotional and it's kind of private and honest. Right. But, you know, there's there's all styles of writing and I'm trying to get better at like the poetic or Donald Fagan. They're like tone poems. I don't know if he's really ever saying anything, but it feels really good. You know? Right. <laughs> so right. I just I, I read. I try to read a lot. I mean, you have to have some mastery of the, the language. Of, of the language right um so that's how i i go about it and and then they're they're like it's funny going back to something else you said about early, early on in our conversation mm-hmm. there are some singers you know the producer is it's about them bringing out something in the artist that they can't find in themselves it's about challenging them it's about giving them material they're not familiar with uh, sometimes production is going, I know you've played with these guys and you have a relationship. Let's see how you feel with people you don't know, you know, like right. there's that style. Right. Um, and then there's that, there's that songwriter. You can go like, I've written that perfect lyric for you. I, cause I see you as an artist, uh, you know, and I can do that. And that's, and that's a gift I'm trying to hone because I'd like to, as I age, I, like I said, I, I don't think I have that thing anymore where like look at me look at me watch me i don't i'm not having that anymore so i'm like i think i want to learn to like i'm i would love to write something for liz wright or i would love to write for and cecile yeah or i'd love to write for you know yeah i mean that's just like like i want to hone those skills you know right below i'd love to write something along the lines of a Pauline Oliveras, like deep listening track, where he, or or Brian Eno, it's like below, like just something a little more expansive than him over a groove track, you know? Right. I'd like to, yeah, yeah. I right, just want I hear to you. I hear you on that. Hone those sort of skills, you know. Um, or Theo Blackman. Um, I'm just like, oh my god. So I'd like to like how how what could I do with him that would could be different. You know, right. maybe and maybe that's lyrically, you know, or mm-hmm. flow wise. And so that's what I'm trying to center my mind around. Um, so but just, that's why I love working with your evil twin, who I thought, <laughs> who I think is, is my angel, you know. Um, <laughs> so. I was wondering if you were going to catch that. I was like, I'm not sure if I should put that. You know, yeah, no, like, that's you know, funny. That's- yeah. <laughs> 
as we're talking about the my evil twin uh, as i commonly refer to is a uh, mr robert glasper who you actually you guys got a grammy last year congratulations on that oh thank you thank thank, thank um, robert i just try to i'm just sharing in, t- in the fun <laughs> yeah yeah no no congratulations on that and um awards are um in my opinion awards um that's all See, i have on, i have that's all i have on that i'm just like yeah Oh yeah, well you know, like I, um, I got out of 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 the academy uh, of the Grammy thing, um, like like two years ago. I'm gonna quietly say congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I totally was like, ah, especially when the guy Neil, he he told women said women had to step it up. I was yeah, just no, like, no, yeah, whatever. Yeah. No. And mm-hmm. and then I went to the Grammys the year Ventriloquism was uh, nominated and. Mm-hmm. It's like it was like going in the Oz and they pulled the curtain back and I know how the sausage is made. And now I don't I just was had to move on. So as, as soon as you realize that, as soon as I realized that I got one and I and I get how it works, it does have value, value. Right. And I'm very clear. I use that word <laughs> for a reason. I got and you. and I, I get, you know, I mean, it's funny, like they're talking about Simone uh, Biles right now. Does mm-hmm. she have to, to win a gold to be the greatest of all time? And I'm like, nah, <laughs> actually, no. <laughs> you can't take away any of her, yeah, her accomplishments. For who? For what? For what? Yeah, it's like she's already, she's, she's, she's who she is because of what she's done. It's like, why does she have to prove anything to anybody else at that present moment in time for their sake, not her sake? Yeah. So, but also, that, I mean, I think that's the beauty and the excitement of sports. I know you can hit three pointers all day in the garage, mm-hmm. but can you do it at, you know, at the playoffs, you know, it's that pressure or, and, and spout performance too. I'm like the stuff I play alone in my bedroom. I, I, I'm like, I'm casually amazing, but right. <laughs> I get out, I, 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 I get out there and the pressure of the people and the expectations or, you know, just feeling all the, like, I think I have a, hyper empathetic spirit and sometimes i can just feel all this energy and it's hard for me to get back to centering and so i mean it's a great experience but again that's why i love working with your evil twin because he he, he sends me stuff and i can be alone in my mind he he knows how to get the best out of me and that's why i really love i have a I, and i've known him a while i mean him and I've been on like similar circuits and tours. Mm-hmm. And I remember having just amazing experiences with him and watching him not let an audience punk him or treat him a certain way. And that that's I, a real really, thing. That's someone. Yeah. That's like, and I've, 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 I've heard him make faux pas and in interviews or like, but you know, that person is a, uh, that person, I hope he is enjoying his experience in the realm of the living. Right. And I want to, and let he, without any fault, cast the first stone. Right. Right. I hear you on that. And he's not evil. I just just smile. Yeah. Yeah. Him. I like that joke, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, we all have an inner Loki. I have. Yeah. Loki. Right. And, and you got to remember. <laughs> yeah. The so-called devil was an angel who just felt set aside. So, right, you know. Right. Yeah, so I love that. 